Hi, this is James Warda, speaker and author of Where Are We Going So Fast? And uh, if you want to build world-class communication skills, you should be listening to the Art of Communication podcast with my good friend, Greg Rice. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. Today, I'm talking with James Warda. James is a Senior Director of Communications for the Home Centered Care Institute. He also teaches communications at Loyola University in Chicago. He's author of Where Are We Going So Fast and a regular contributor to the Chicago Tribune. And we get into a topic that's really near and dear to his heart, which is how we can all slow down and really communicate and connect with each other. Get past the small talk and pay attention to each other. How we can put the human element back into communication. He also talks about why everything that a leader does and says matters and how it's important for them to consider that when they're communicating anything. And we even get a little bit into how to overcome stage fright. So James is a great guy, and he shares some tremendous wisdom on how we can all be better communicators, be better leaders, and lead more fulfilling lives. All right, James, super excited to have you on the podcast today. I really appreciate you coming on. I know that you have some great insights to share with my audience around bringing the human back to conversation and how to drive real uh, authentic connections, I think, with folks. And then even from a leadership perspective, how do you lead effectively when a lot of what you're communicating is not the things that you're saying, right? It's the things that people are seeing. So looking forward to getting into some of those topics, but let me just start by saying thanks for being with us. Thanks, Greg. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. Great, for sure, for sure. So let me, if we could kind of, I'd love to start off by just hearing a little bit about where your passion for communication comes from and kind of what has driven you down the path to where you're at today. It started many years ago when I was a kid and my favorite <laughs> book was The Dictionary. Wow. You know, I, yeah, I know, I know, weird, I know, but my, my parents <laughs> told me, I used to actually like carry around this huge dictionary, which is, you know, that, you know, you're in trouble with that. So I've always loved words. So I'm also a musician. So I've, I, it started with writing songs and writing lyrics. And I loved being able to use words to really convey emotion and evoke, you know, emotion, even though I didn't know that's what I was doing when I was a teenager writing rock songs, you know, but <laughs> then kind of as I, as I grew up through college and, and really kind of started gravitating to doing more writing and then I, when I became a, a dad and, you know, I had, had kids, all of a sudden I had something to write about, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you're a writer, but then you, you have to, at some point you get something to write about. And I started writing about these moments that I started noticing, you know, just with my kids, with each other, et cetera. And at the same time, so there's two streams. So I also grew up in the communications world and marketing world of, you know, fortune hundred companies. So Mm -hmm. I've, you know, done communications at Allstate, Baxter, Boeing, Walgreens, just big companies where I learned that the craft of it 
And I'm also, I also teach, I'm an adjunct professor at Loyola University of Chicago for their mm-hmm. School of Communications. So I say all that, but then when I, it all comes back to connection. I really believe for me, communication is about connecting. Mm-hmm. You know, Love can that. I connect to you? Can I share something with you that means something to me? I'm sharing it with you because you mean something to me. And can you understand it? Ask me questions, and somehow we share the meaning of that. That really is the. That's what drives my passion is con- to connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That that's powerful, and I think that folks sometimes have challenges doing that. Right? They're a little nervous about sharing, or they're not sure how the other person will react, or they might worry they're going to come across as weird or. I don't know, going too deep, right? Or whatever. Any thoughts on how folks in the audience can do that effectively in their day-to-day lives? How can they start moving towards having more of those meaningful connections? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, and yes, I tend to be uh, pretty much an open book, mm-hmm. which, and I need to be very aware of that because some people, you know, if somebody, you know, I could come in and start sharing left and right and I'll give you an example. I do <laughs> workshops too. And I start by sharing a story, you know, stories from my own life. And so I'll share a story about when my daughter was being born. And the doctor asked me, hey, how much do you want to do? So, you know, previous to that with mm-hmm. my son, I had cut the cord. Mm-hmm. And he said, how much do you want to do? And so I said, well, everything. And he said, okay, come on over. And so my baby daughter was born into my my hands. Wow. You know, and, um, and I started a workshop by, by saying that, sharing that story. And then I say, so that's one of my moments. I said, do me, so everyone turn to the person next to them and share a moment you remember. Go. And then I turn away and they all kind of look around going, what is going on here? Um, but after a time, they, the hardest thing is for me to stop that segment then. Because yeah. they, it's so important to them. So right, huh. I shared all that to get back to your question, which is, you know, it's, sometimes people are hesitant. You know, they're, they don't want to make mistakes. They don't want to look bad, et cetera. So I typically, to get past that, I'll share a little bit about myself, you know, make myself a little vulnerable, mm-hmm. build up some trust. And then I, what I've had to get better at, because I wasn't great at it, is a listening. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, if you ask my wife, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll ask her to grade me on it. But, you know, listening is is critical. So if you, I'm also very curious about people. I love learning their gifts. Just try to listen to them because people don't tend to listen to each other a lot. Mm-hmm. So, so true. Those, things, those things help. And then once they do share something, you reinforce that it, you know, thank you for doing that. And, and they're not going to get dinged for sharing. It's going to build a deeper relationship. So. Absolutely. I'll tell you, it's interesting. You mentioned being vulnerable (laughs) and it's interesting. What I've found in my professional life is that when I share something that, uh, you know, might be perceived as, I don't want to say a weakness, right. But something from my past, maybe I'm a little ashamed of or a mistake that I've made, right. Or an issue that I had, bad decision I made a lot of times, personal bad decisions like in my youth, get in trouble, those kinds of things. Whenever I do that, they tend to lead to some of the best conversations. The other person opens up 
and they share something because inevitably they have they've had bad decisions as well and, and made poor choices when they were young and everything else. And it just leads to a better, more real connection. Well, and, and that goes, so when you asked me why I do this and I said, it's to connect the reason that that's so important is just what you just said is that people tend to feel like they're in it alone. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh my gosh, this thing I just did, nobody has ever done in the history of ever And so they want to know that other people have experienced the same thing. And when you find out that other people are pretty similar, it just makes you feel better. So, yeah, yeah, I I agree. Yeah, it's funny from another professional example for me. And when I first started kind of, you know, giving sales presentations and, and leading client relationships and things, I always loved hearing about how my leadership had had like huge failures when they were in my role because it helped me realize that they're not perfect and now they're really successful. So I don't have to be perfect. I can mess up. I just got to learn from it and keep getting better. They'll understand and they'll help me. So as I've become a leader of folks, I try to do the same thing, share where I've made mistakes or where it's gone bad and help them not make those mistakes, but also understand it's okay to make mistakes at the same time. Yeah. And I, and I know, I think we're, we'll probably be talking about leadership and leadership communications today mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I mean, if you just think about your own, yourself and the leaders you've had, would you rather have a leader say, no, everything's good, you know, um, that was part of our strategy and, you know, we're going to keep moving forward compared to um, we had a strategy, uh, we put it in place, but after looking back at it, this piece of it, we probably shouldn't have done, but we only know that in hindsight, so we're going to change it and we're going to get better and we'll keep you informed as we do. Mm-hmm like which leader would you rather follow yeah um, i think a clear answer right yeah um yeah very true very true so you talk a lot about putting the human back in conversation and connection Uh, do by that do you mean uh, bringing back the authenticness and the vulnerability or would you expound more on that yeah i think vulnerability is huge i don't i don't know if you read any or watch any brene brown but she is a um really like a researcher Mm-hmm. but she is a uh, very famous you'll find her stuff all over youtube and she's she did a very famous ted talk but she talks about that the greatest one of the most important ways you can show courage is to make yourself vulnerable mm-hmm. and she does that with leaders with teams etc so I'm, I'm a really big believer in that um, so i think it starts with vulnerability basically it's about when i say being human it's about being open you know, um, being vulnerable, being honest, being kind. I think kindness is huge. Now, yeah, there's a lot of humans who aren't kind, and most humans are not kind at certain points, you know, but as much as possible. And really, it's a cliche, but putting yourself in someone else's shoes, I like to think of it as putting yourself in somebody else's heart. Oh, that's really cool. Like, what are they experiencing? So I've got this communication I need to send out about a mergers and acquisition, right? We're about to acquire a company. Really important for our company, for how we're going to be positioned. But the person reading that, what are they going to be thinking and feeling as they're reading it? Well, the first thing they're probably going to be thinking and feeling is, is my job okay? Right? Mm-hmm. Then they're going to be thinking, are my colleagues' jobs okay? What about my family? So it's just about you know, those types of things and, and listening. So all those things together, for me, 
if you can make it more human, you have a much better chance of connecting in a real way with the person you're trying to communicate to. And building the most important thing any communicator can ever find and create, which is trust. So trust is the currency of communication. So, Yeah, couldn't agree with that more. Um, and I think so many of us take it for granted talking to somebody and we're like, I said what I wanted to say, I got my message across, we're good. But you couldn't be further from the truth, right? Because you really didn't communicate a human way. You didn't listen to them. You didn't understand how they were taking it in or what their viewpoint was, what they wanted to accomplish. So many different dynamics to consider when you think about communicating with somebody really effectively. Yeah, and, and, and I think we, we probably share this, the similar thing is how much this compares to being a parent mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. you know, with your, right? Like how many times can you tell your kids, well, I, I need to tell you something important. Here we go, blah, blah, blah. And then you walk away and it's like, wait a minute. Did they roll their eyes or, <laughs> you know, do they know why I asked them to do that? So you might get compliance, but you won't get commitment. Yeah. So. And every kid's different. You know, right. I have yes. five kids yeah. varying ages and they all respond differently to different things. Just last night, my son and I were having a conversation about how it's not really good to stay up all night and sleep all day. Now that school's done for him and all his buddies are doing it, he's trying to do that as well. And I found with him, like, I I tell him to do it, he won't do it. He'll do the opposite. But (laughs) I need him to kind of find out on his own that it's not good for him. So I, like, like, looked it up and sent him some articles on it, right? And and he didn't say anything at the time he was sitting right there. But, like, this morning he came back and he was commenting about the articles. And he was like, so is there any positive thing about staying up all night? I was like, I don't know. I didn't look that up. Maybe you should look that up. So it's how to get through to him when another child just, you know, be completely different conversation. So that's really interesting. Well, you know, I I saw one of your pieces that really resonated with me about, I think it was about just sitting at the dinner table and observing, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. just listening. And that's such an important skill for any communicator, especially, and that's, that's the other piece of, you know, being human is you don't always have to talk. You can listen and, and there's stuff going on in the silence. It's really important. So yeah. that, that piece of yours really, that hit me. Thank, thank, thank you for that. Thank you. The other thing I realized when doing that is like what arose in me as far as like, cause you know, naturally, like I still wanted to respond here or say this or do that. Um, and it was interesting to not do whatever that was and then observe, well, why did I want to do that? Where'd that come from? It was, it was really mm-hmm. fascinating. You can learn a lot in five minutes of not saying anything. <laughs> well, it's funny because um, it's a little bit of a tangent, but but it's still very much connected. I'm a longtime meditator. So mm-hmm, I very mm-hmm. much believe in meditation. And that's pretty much about learning to just sit and just be. Yeah. And so I would uh, advise for any communicator, you don't have to have candles and robes and a mat, you know, just learn a little bit about meditation and, and it goes a long way. There's a lot of, there's a lot of C-suite doing meditation right about now. So I bet. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it can be as easy as sitting there for five minutes and mm-hmm. focusing on your breath and realizing what thoughts pop up and letting them go. Right. That's and it. you can learn some really amazing things just doing that. 
So I'm a big fan of meditation as well. And like five, 10 minutes a day, like I don't do half hours or two hours Mm -hmm. or anything like that either. Um, But it can be really helpful. So very cool. So you mentioned kind of C-suite. I want to shift the topic a little bit towards leadership. I know you and I have talked a little bit back and forth around the impact of how folks are reading their leaders, right? And how they're observing them and all the things that the leader is doing and not doing and saying and not saying and how they're reacting. So tell me a little bit more about that. I know you've developed some leadership material for companies like McDonald's and other companies. So we'd love to have your take on it. Yeah. And, um, so here's my, uh, the infomer- infomercial part of this, and you can definitely cut this out, but <laughs> the reason, the reason this all came about is I, I'm working on my second book, which is called you're being watched. Mm. Basically here, here's the premise, right? Is that for any, for any leader, many leaders think, Hmm, okay. Am I going to communicate today? I don't know. Will I do a town hall? Will I do a one-on-one? Will I have a team meeting? Will I send out an announcement? Will I send out a press release? And they believe that that is their communication. And it is, but that's not all their communication. And it's, really not the most important communication. That's the intentional stuff. But at the same time they're doing all that, people are watching them. Did I go into my leader's office with a question and it was the end of the day and they were tired and I asked my question and as I turned a little bit, I noticed they rolled their eyes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If you're a leader and you roll your eyes and your follower sees you roll your eyes, you've just destroyed a huge amount of any credibility and trust you've built. And you can send out 14 press releases, but they're not going to make up for an eye roll. And it's going to take you a while to get that back, right? If you, at the beginning of the year, if you're a leader and you send out your list of priorities for the organization, and the first one is improve market share by 14%. The second one is create innovative new product around blah, blah, blah. And you have seven things. And the very last one says, help employees develop and because they are our most important asset. Mm-hmm. Well, if you put them last on your list, they are not your most important asset. Mm-hmm. That's how they're going to feel. They're going to see your list and they're going to say, I'm the last one, right? So these little things, you know, what, what a leader has in their office, go into a leader's office and look around. Their office, I always say your office is saying much more about you than you, you ever want to say about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Are there pictures of their family, of their kids? Or are there just book, you know, are there posters about success in business? Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying which one is right. I'm, all I say is that leaders need to be aware of these messages they're sending. Because those speak really loudly and people are going to decide whether or not they want to follow you. And um, the final thing I'll say is, all of this ramps up exponentially when there's a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Or any sort of crisis. You know? Right? Any kind of crisis, and especially, you know, you have a global crisis. People watch leaders at normal times. Most people do. Mm-hmm. During crisis, everybody does. Mm-hmm. Right? Because where, where are we all? What do we all? We wake up in the morning at this point, And what do we think? Right? Huh. How is COVID-19 going? Okay, should I wear a mask? Now, I don't want to get into all the, the politics and dynamics of it. Mm-hmm. 
I just want to look at it from a communications perspective. Person wakes up, they want the answer to a few questions. What are they going to do? Right? Mm-hmm. How are they going to get? And not only what are the official communications to them, but what do they see around them that are unintentionally sending messages to? Mm-hmm. So I'll get off my soapbox now, but I, I'm obviously I'm passionate about it because, you know, as a dad, right? With your kids. Again, I go back to being a dad often because if you're with one of your kids and you're taking a walk outside, which we're all doing more of now, mm-hmm. and you're on your phone, what message is that sending? Now, yeah. I'm not saying don't check your phone, but if you're in a performance review with an employee and the phone rings and you take it, you take that call and it's not urgent. What message are you sending to that person? Yeah, for sure. So, it's really an amazing take on it, I think. Now, I assume you, you hear maybe some pushback on that, like, hey, I just need to be my authentic self. And that's, you know, that's who I'm going to be. And that's definitely true as well. Um, and then you, it's also, I think, how do you stay sane, right? If you're a leader, you know, everybody's watching you all the time, every single thing that you do, how do you maintain a level of sanity and productivity and be effective when you have to worry about every little thing like that, right? So what, do, what strategies do you give folks about taking that knowledge, but then applying it to, to be more effective at what they do? That's, that's a fantastic question because it's as soon as I had this realization, my next realization was that is like, you would just end up like the Tin Man, not moving. You know, it's <laughs> like, okay, I don't want to make any wrong move here. And basically what I say is, look, just be aware of all that. It's, it's like, um, I don't know if you're a fan of the, uh, the Honeymooners, but, yeah, but, and I'm dating myself. Everyone's getting a whole day <laughs> now. But anyways, where Ralph teaches his, his buddy um, how to golf, and, and, or they're teaching each other how to golf, and there's like, if you ever try to learn how to golf, there's like 42,000 different things to think about when you're about to make a swing. Yeah, there is. So it's, it's like, okay, remember all those things and then forget them. So what I would say to, to leaders is, look, yes, you're being watched. But number one, the most important thing is be yourself. Okay? Just be yourself. But know, know what messages you might be sending. Are you closing your door a lot? What message is that sending? Is it the mm-hmm. message you want to send? If not, open it a little more. Did you roll your eyes at someone and they caught it? If so, what do you want to do about it? Do you want to mention it to them? Do you want to apologize? Or maybe you don't think that's right and you think the best thing is to just go back and spend time with them and kind of erase some of that impact of the eye roll. So yeah, it, it's a balance and it, it takes time. And, and really, I think it's the big things that you just need to be aware of. Those big moments, especially during crisis. During crisis, people are scared. During crisis, they tend to not know what to do. So if you can be calm, centered as much as possible, if you, if you say something wrong, if you freak out, if you make a mistake, don't pretend you didn't. As a leader, you don't have to be perfect. I don't think people want perfect leaders. It gets a little tricky. You know, like if your surgeon came in to you and, you know, hey, you know, I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's, it's tricky at times. And, and you're not going to get it perfectly right. 
I don't have all the answers, but I just know it's good to be aware that, again, going back to being a parent, if you screw up with your kid, if you can go in the next day and apologize to them, I think we might be one of the first kind of generations to think of apologizing to our kids Mm -hmm. just because that's where evolution is. And And your child is apologized to by their parent that you've just deepened a relationship. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But first, have you guys ever struggled to gain traction driving paid traffic while it seems like your competitors are just having a lot more success? If so, then you're gonna love what I put together for you. I mean, how about a free analysis of you versus your top three competitors? To gain clarity around what is really working and what isn't and where the opportunities are. Does that sound good? Well, I've partnered with some of the best in the paid traffic business to create inflection marketing. I only partner with the best. No one has more experience. These guys have been doing it since 2001, and they've been helping companies win paid traffic across all channels, including Google, Microsoft, and Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Amazon. And here's the best part. For anyone who sets up a consultation appointment, we'll provide you with a free competitive analysis comparing your pay-per-click advertising versus your competitors, looking at things like messaging, keywords, volume, and cost per click. And there's no obligation for this. It'll give you the foundation that you need to succeed, whether you decide to work with us or not. So to learn more about how we can help you take your digital marketing game to the next level and drive a true inflection in your paid traffic, as well as get your complimentary competitive analysis, go to gregjrice.com backslash inflection. That's gregjrice.com backslash inflection to schedule a quick discussion to see if there may be a fit here or not. So with that, let's dive into our interview. So uh, another thought there, just before we move on to one more topic, is understanding when is like not missing moments of praise, right? So if I'm an employee, I think I did something really great. And my boss is like, eh, good job. That impacts me as well and impacts how Mm -hmm. I want to do things in the future for them and how I feel about my standing there and all sorts of stuff, right? So I think there's opportunities to understand from that perspective as well, where if understanding when are those moments that you need to cheer your employees on to help them stay motivated and moving in the right direction. That's, you know, that's, that's an excellent, one of the lessons I had to really learn as a, as a manager and leader was I've heard it, but I I didn't really get it, but that people want to be recognized differently. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody isn't the same. Not everyone wants to be recognized the way you want to be recognized. Right. So it it is true. Thank you. It was a long way. (laughs) For sure. Um, There's something I always say, which is that there are three main questions that every human wants to know. Now, I didn't check these. I didn't research them. I don't have scientific proof. (laughs) But I believe the three questions that people want to know is, do I matter? Do I belong? And does anyone care? And I think that and at one point I was in job search and, and I think for job seekers, those are the three questions that get hit the most. So when you're talking about praise and recognition, it's like, do I matter? Do I belong? And does, does anyone care? And if I can say, Greg, you know that report you did? It was excellent. Really, really good. And I saw that you want to step beyond. You added something to the report I didn't ask for. So, you know, thank you for doing that. I'm going to ask Maybe you can present on it at our next monthly meeting. Mm-hmm. And by the way, here's a company car I'd like to give you. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, the phrase yeah. can go a long way, but so can the car, right? Right, <laughs> so can. Yeah, yeah. 
That's funny. Well, just last topic before I want to get into a few questions I kind of ask everybody who I have on the show. Um, I know that you've also done some teaching training around public speaking, right? And presenting. So, and and I get asked a lot about things like, how do I get over stage fright? How, how do I become a powerful, influential speaker? Right. Um, So just any thoughts you have around the stage fright side of things or how to be a, a successful speaker, I think would be welcome advice for the audience. Sure, sure. Um, so I, I typically start my classes by uh, by saying, and my students, you know, they know I have a devastatingly devastatingly great sense of humor, and I'm, <laughs> I'm very I'm very humble about it too. Um, I typically start with I, I do need to research this and find out where it comes from, but there's a saying that the that there's two top fears that people have. Right, the second top fear is dying. Mm-hmm. And the first top fear is public speaking. <laughs> so the joke is that when you're at your own funeral, you'd rather be in that casket than delivering the eulogy. <laughs> and, you know, because people get in it, it all, to me, it goes back to, you know, people don't want to be exposed. They don't want to get up in front of that and make a mistake. Because then if, if I make a mistake, well, maybe I am a mistake. And that gets kind of deep, but, mm-hmm, but it's mm-hmm. true. I mean, people just... They're scared, you know? So what I, I coach my students and we talk through it with a, a number of things. Number one is the old standby, which is prepare. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds trite, but prepare and practice. And if you try to wing it, it typically will come off that way. However, yeah. I, I would say don't script yourself either. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to find that balance between structure and natural. I go up with a few bullet points to remind me of where I am in the flow. So I'll have a piece of paper with me. It's kind of a, I can refer to it. Some people think, why well, I can't take anything up. Again, it's finding natural style. Then the other thing I tell them is, I call it the patented Warda breathing technique. <laughs> I don't actually have a patent pending on it, but it's it's basically what we just talked about with meditation, right? It's just you know, a few good centering breaths in, hold, out, slow. And, and you don't do it, you don't have to do it where people are seeing you, but just center yourself and remember that you have something you need to share. You, you want to share something. And I think the final thing I would say is just, it's like we were just talking about with human communication. Just be sincere. Mm-hmm. Just think about speakers you go to see right? If you see somebody up there who's passionate about what they're talking about, who's sincere, they're not trying to sell you their book at the back of the room every five minutes, you tend to want to give them the benefit of the doubt and you tend to want them to do well. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, I've had students follow up with me, tell me that they use, the, they use some of those things and in getting internships and it helped them um, I try to get them to send me royalties for the breathing technique. <laughs> you need the patent if you want that. <laughs> I know it, has, it hasn't worked yet. So, so uh, yeah. I don't think it worked for the Buddha, but you know, whatever. That's that's great advice. And it was a real turning point for me as well. I used to be really nervous around public speaking. And then I kind of took a job that had me giving a lot of two-hour presentations on a pretty regular cadence. Because I'm never one to let my fear kind of stop me from taking an opportunity. So I figured I'd nice. fight through it, right? And, and it's, the turning point for me was realizing that the audience wants me to succeed. If you're ever watching somebody present and they're n- really uncomfortable, it makes you very uncomfortable. You don't want that, right? 
And if you think they're stumbling, you're like, come on, just get, you know, get the next <laughs> point. It'll be fine. Right. And nobody expects you to be perfect. And that's okay. If you mess up here and there, in most cases, they don't, the audience doesn't even know if you said one thing and you were going to say something else. The other thing that helped was realizing it's really about the message I want to deliver and the value of that. It's not about mm. me. Even if I am a poor medium for the message, I want to do my best to get the message across. And they're not judging me, they're judging the message. You know. So a metaphor I've heard is like, if you're an apple tree, you're all about growing apples. If you give somebody apples and they don't like them and they want oranges instead, it doesn't matter. I'm going to keep making the best apples I can. And one day somebody's going to come by and love the apples I make, right? So it's all about doing, communicating what I'm meant to communicate around this message. It's not about me. So trying to take that view. That's, that's really good. And you know, when you were saying that, it brought up one other thing that I tell, tell them is I'm a big believer in breaking the, what do you call it? The fourth wall? What, I forget in movies where, you know, they, th- there's a wall between you and the audience. Mm-hmm. I forget what they call it. They call it, so anyways. So whereas some speakers will get up and they start at the front of the room, oftentimes I'll start at the back of the room mm-hmm. or I'll be sitting down with them. <laughs> And I'll get up and I'll start speaking. And they're like, what? what? What's going on here? And the more interactivity you can have in your speech, you know, you're asking questions, you're getting their thoughts. That takes some of the pressure off you as the presenter. Mm-hmm. So, and again, like you said, when you're in an hour-long presentation, you want the presenter to be good. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think back to those presentations where it's been like, right droning and you're checking your you know if if people are checking their phones oh and and the last thing i keep saying that the last thing but this is really the last thing (laughs) stories tell stories yeah 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 yeah. nothing connects like a personal story so i've worked with like we've talked about i've worked with presidents and senior vice presidents of companies and and i've worked with uh you know i had one situation where i was working with the president of a of a company, I was their communication support. And, and if you asked, everybody said he was a really smart guy. And that sounds like a good thing. But when you ask and somebody says the leader is a really smart person, that typically means they're not really warm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they're smart, but, but would people follow them? Would they really follow them? So I worked with him <laughs> and just got him. I encouraged him to share some personal stories. Because when you go to a presentation and somebody starts telling a personal story, watch what happens to the audience. They put down their phones. They typically pay more attention. There's more silence. And they move up in on their seats towards mm-hmm. the speaker. Because stories connect us. So I, I think that's the – if you're a speaker, breathe and tell stories. Well, I mean – you're probably gonna be breathing anyways, but you know, <laughs> use the patented breath, right? Yes. And, and, and tell send royalty checks. Yeah. yeah, I'm a huge believer in in stories, and um, definitely a topic I'm gonna be diving into. I think with other guests in the future is how to tell impactful, powerful stories because it is a mm-hmm. skill and one that I certainly need to get better at. Being confident that I'm telling the story in a way that's really gonna land and get across in a meaningful way. So. Yeah. Well, like I said, I've heard some of your stuff and and I've watched some of your stuff. And to me, the most important thing is when you tell a story, do you somehow convey what it was like to actually be there and what it felt like to be there? Mm -hmm. Because when you do that, 
people then typically tend to go, oh, I've got a story like that where I felt that way. Oh, okay, let me share my story with you. And you leave and you're like, oh, I'm not alone. We're more connected. So it's all good. Very cool. Well, that's a great thought. And getting to the feeling at the moment versus, you know, this is what happened. This is how I felt. This is what was going through my head. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. So just a couple quick questions I like to ask everybody. Um, First one, and I believe this is particularly relevant for you, is that I really believe in the power of conversations. Um, And I love to ask my guests to tell me about a really powerful conversation in their own lives that maybe influenced the path that they took in their life. Yeah. And um, so really two, two stick out to me. One was I was in college. I had started, I always joke with the students I teach in college. I tell them, when I went to college, you know, they still had the lanterns in the street. You know, we didn't have electricity. But, but anyway. Hogwarts-esque. Yeah. So when I started, I was actually a psychology major, mm. you know, because I love psychology, as you can probably tell. And But I was taking some English courses, and I wrote a paper, and my professor came up to me afterwards, and he said, you know, he goes, this is really, I'm not saying this to blow my own horn, but this is what he said. He said, this is really one of the best papers I've read. He said, have you considered going into English? And, you know, and that one sentence changed my life, changed the direction of my life. So, and that reminds me of the power of being a teacher. I can change a life, good or bad, Mm -hmm. with a sentence, with an eye roll, et cetera. And then the story is, I was working at... um, at a company and yeah, I was in education, but I was, I started writing after I had kids, I started writing these emails every morning called Ward is morning gems. And it was basically just a quote and then a story about my kids. That was it. Now this was a major insurance company. So you didn't have many people writing emails like that. And I started sending it out to the department over time. It was going out across the company to other people. Because people wanted to hear that stuff. Mm-hmm. And my, my manager could have said, you know, stop. Instead, she said, keep doing it. I love it. You just have a way with words. Mm-hmm. So those conversations where somebody believes in you, recognizes your gifts, it, it, those, those really, those changed my life. And I, as much as possible, I try to do that with other people. Yeah. Everybody, everyone has gifts. Yeah, absolutely. And how many opportunities do we miss where... Like how many times could we have changed somebody's life with just a kind word or some positive feedback and we didn't do it? Because probably nine out of 10 times we don't. It's that one right. time we do for whatever reason, the circumstances that led to that. So that's, that's really interesting. That's exactly what I mean by the power of conversation, right? It, that one conversation, one sentence changed the whole direction of your life. That's really great to hear, really powerful stuff. So thank you. Yeah. Second question, I get asked a lot about first impressions. So mm-hmm. I like to ask the folks on the show, if somebody's meeting you for the first time, what's the one thing they can really do to kind of stand out as somebody who you want to build a relationship with? Yeah, I think it, uh, for me, it comes down to, do they seem to just be real? Am I, am I sensing agendas behind the scene? Or am I, am I seeing somebody who's just, hey, I'm here, you're here together? So if somebody's sincere and kindness, so sincere and kind to me, I I always tell my teams at work, I said, look, 
projects can be hard, right? But if you give me somebody who's sincere and kind to work with, we can get anything done, anything at all. So that goes a long way with me. Very cool. Very cool. Good advice. And definitely something I've heard echoed from some other folks as well. The authenticity Mm -hmm. part, Um, obviously the kindness part as well. Kind of a fun question. If you could have a communication superpower, right? If you think back at the history of what you've done and uh, if you could have a communication power in huge abundance, like what would that be that would have made your life a lot easier? That's a great, great question. Um, Hopefully I get to wear a cape. Um, (laughs) I would say... W on the back? Yes, yes. I would say... (laughs) Courage. As a communicator, you're going to be in a lot of situations where you're going to need to show courage, right? You might be sitting with your, you know, you might be a new communicator sitting with the, your CEO and they are telling you how they're going to tell the company something. As a new communicator, it might be hard to do it, but as you grow in your career, your job is to speak truth to power. So as your communications counsel, I would say well, the way we really want to approach this is this way. Communicators think, uh, they often think when they start the careers that they're order takers. But if you think you're an order taker as a communicator, you're not really communicating. You're just mm-hmm. an order taker. You're basically a scribe. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be so many times and there's going to be times where People are going to want you to share a certain message that might not feel quite right to you. Your job is to be an advocate for the truth, for your reader, but also being an advocate for, you have to also be an advocate for the company you work for or your client. So it's finding that balance. So I I would say if you find a successful company, at the top of that successful company is going to be on, at that senior level table is going to be a communications person. And if they don't have someone at the table who's a communications person, you're probably going to see them in the business section at some point in a heck of a lot of trouble for certain things. <laughs> you know, it, it's just, it just, you go over the last year, look at the companies that have struggled. They either had, they didn't have a solid communications person helping them with messaging Mm-hmm. Or they had somebody at that table who wasn't demonstrating the courage they should have. Yeah, yeah, and it goes so far beyond just PR and things like that. As far as and you know, press releases, uh, as far as a guidance that a good communication leader can provide to the organization. That's why I call it. That's why it's called communications council. Mm-hmm. You, know, you provide mm-hmm. council. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, I wouldn't use this statement anywhere publicly, but what the heck, I'll say it on a podcast because this will only be heard by millions of people. But it's like a, <laughs> Let's hope. A, you know that consigliere role, right? Mm-hmm. In, like the Godfather, and I'm not trying to, in any way to equate communications with the mafia in any way. <laughs> Please don't send me emails, but this will only be heard by millions of people. But it's like a, Let's hope. a you know that consigliere role in like The Godfather, and I'm not trying to, in any way to equate communications with the mafia in any way. <laughs> Please don't send me emails, but because you have their interests at heart, but you also know all of the different audiences. As a good communications person, you should know what is the most important thing to all the different audiences. 
And how do you build trust? It, trust, again, trust is the number one currency of communications because I'll, I'll say this. If you've ever been in a relationship that there wasn't trust, think about how that felt versus being in one that there was. Mm-hmm. And the same is true for your you know, leadership roles and leadership relationships, right? For sure. As I think back, like, you know, when I worked for a leader I trusted, I would go probably a lot further, take a lot more risks, maybe try a lot different things, a lot of different approaches versus if I didn't necessarily trust them and I thought they were going to come down on me for the smallest mistake, I'd be very hesitant to try anything innovative or anything to, to kind of help achieve the plan that wasn't approved by them already. It's really interesting. Okay. So last question for you, just if you could give somebody three pieces of guidance around how to be a good communicator, what would you tell them? I think the first one is be curious. I've always had tremendous curiosity. I want to know how things work. I want to know, but most importantly, I want to know people and I want to know what makes them, what's important to them. What are their gifts? So be curious. Any communicator will tell you when you go into a new project, you start asking questions. You start with a beginner's mind. Mm -hmm. Oh, so tell me about that. The reason you do that is so you can learn, so you can communicate it. But also, I guarantee you, half of those questions you've asked, the people have not been asked, had them asked to them before. And by asking them, you will likely make the business project better. Mm-hmm. because they might realize, oh, wow, we never even thought about that. That's first thing, be curious. I think second thing is be willing to experiment. We were talking before before we actually got started here about the COVID-19 pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. We have to learn new ways of doing things. All of us in communications, the communications world changes like every three years, probably every three minutes. I mean, 10 years ago, you'd cascade communications. You'd say, you know, we have a big announcement. Well, let's get it to our HR generalists first. So HR is prepared. Then a week later, we'll get it to our managers. So they have time with it. Then a week after that, we'll get it to our employees, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that three-week time frame is often now compressed into three hours. Yeah. Or, you know, especially with social media, you know, once your employees find out about it, you better not have a three-week time frame. So you better experiment with technology, with ways of doing things. Everybody can pretty much Zoom now, right? I mean, can, can do a Zoom meet. You've got grandparents who are learning how to uh, add virtual backgrounds on their Zooms, and, you know, because they're motivated. They have to. We all have to do these things. So that's the second thing. And the third thing just goes back to just remember to be human. Remember who you're talking to and why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's so that they can know what's going on. They can know where they fit. They can go home and maybe breathe a little easier. And I guarantee you, if you do those things, your company is going to get results with productivity, with engagement, with retention, with all those financials. So. God, God. So great advice. So be curious, experiment with new things, 
and be human. Yeah, I don't know why. I just played it. We've been talking about the whole interview and it just slipped my mind there. Well, it's because uh, I was talking a lot, too. <laughs> and don't I've, talk so much. <laughs> <laughs> Listen more than you talk, right? There but not go. when you're That's the guest exactly. on a podcast. When you're a guest on a right. podcast, you got to talk a little more than you listen. So great. So where can folks find you, James? Yeah. So um, I think at, at this point, the most important, uh, probably the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So if you find my profile on LinkedIn, send me an invite to connect. You can also send me an email, jameswarda at comcast.net. Um, and then I'll be, I'll be introducing a new website because like all communicators, I have about 30, 32 different things going on right now. But uh, that probably by the time this airs, I should uh, hopefully have a website up. So, um, yep. Okay, great. Uh, feel free because I, I love connecting with people. And then um, uh, the previous book and the new book, they could probably yeah, get the so, previous book on Amazon yeah. right now, right? Yeah. So um, the, the first book was called Where Are We Going So Fast? Mm -hmm. And uh, just real quickly, that one day I was driving to work when, we, when I first had kids and I was driving on the highway and I noticed I was in the left lane and, I, and something made me go into the middle lane and slow down a little bit. And as I did, I noticed cars were going, you know, whoosh, whoosh, past me. And for some reason, that question came to, my, came to me. Where are we going so fast? And it's about noticing the, the important stuff that's going on all around us. So that's the, the first book. Um, you'll find me in a number of Chicken Soup for the Soul books, but also working on the next book, which is You're Being Watched. Uh, how leaders do say, and everything leaders do say and are sends a message. So um, thank, I appreciate the opportunity for that. Yeah, yeah. Any thoughts on timing for the, yeah, the new so, book? So with the new book, uh, fall of, uh, I would think fall of, uh, what year is this? 2020. <laughs> be coming out. And um, I'll follow up with, I'll let you know about that. Yeah, I look and, forward to it. I look forward to I reading say, it. I think it's a tremendous uh, topic. I would say operators are standing by, but uh, I, don't, I don't think they are. So <laughs> quite yet. <laughs> Not quite yet. They will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, James, I really appreciate you taking the time. It was a great conversation. Um, I know my audience took away a lot of great insights about how to have more human conversations, but really about how to have more deeper connections in a variety of areas of their lives. So, so thank you for that. I hope you have a great day and hope the whole audience has a great day as well. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the communication nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life, and that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.